The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Amen. Remain standing, take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 22. I want to talk to you about overcoming temptation. We can overcome temptation. Say it with me. We can overcome temptation. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I can overcome temptation. Go ahead, tell him. Tell him. All right, look at your other neighbor and say, I can overcome temptation. How about you? Go ahead. Luke 22, we're going to read uh, verse 39. Uh, before we get in and you're turning there, uh, need to register for the prophetic conference before it overfills and you're not able to get in. I said register for the prophetic conference before it gets so full that you can't get in. So you go ahead, do that tonight. We've made it very cost effective. Somebody said, I need to pay to get it prophetic. No, you don't. That, that's nonsense. He said, what, what, am I, what am I paying for? Plane tickets. That's what you plan for. We're flying all these people in. It's very costly. And, uh, and still God is blessed. Pastor Michael Gannon, different ones, they're flying themselves in because they believe in what we're doing so big. But that's one of the reasons that we charge. But it's important to cover our expenses for that. Come on, be a part of that prophetic conference. All right? Let's get registered tonight. When? Tonight. All right. Luke 22 and verse 39. Let's read the word of the Lord. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as, was, as, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. That's what disciples do, by the way. They follow Jesus. Just saying. Verse 40. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. It's in red. Is that in red in your Bible? If you have the red letter version, come on, say that out loud. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And it was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he prayed and he sang, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Verse 43. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. You know, agony, if you if rightly directed, will cause you to pray more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray lest you enter into temptation. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your presence and for what you're doing tonight or for the freedom that we experience here. We humble ourselves before you, God. We long for you, that you would speak to us, that you would take your very finger and write upon the fleshly tablets of our heart, that you'd give us living understanding. It wouldn't just be a lecture, Lord. It would be something that brings life-changing power of the Spirit of God in our life and even revelation that causes a revolution in our hearts. I pray for each and every one here tonight that have come from so far away, from those that will listen even across the nations, and those who are online tonight, that you would touch us in a special way, release all that's in your heart towards us. And we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A common to being a human being, uh, you're going to face temptation. And uh, we do have notes for you. We'd encourage you to fill those in. They're going around just now. Temptation's a very real thing. And all of us will face temptation. Everyone in this room will face temptation. Everyone, every, if you're breathing, you will face temptation. But we can overcome. Say it again. We can overcome temptation. We've been in the midst of a series called In the Beginning. You'll see the signs on the door. It's a, a series out of the book of Genesis. Foundational principles or foundational truths from the book of Genesis. 
I am absolutely being impacted by the book of Genesis. We're studying the first 11 chapters. And in those first 11 chapters, you'll find revelatory stones of, sal- of, of, uh, of foundation that you build your life on. That if you don't get those right, then basically you're not going to have a right foundation in your life. And we all want a house that's built on the rock. Amen. If you want to build on the sand, it's a bad place to build. And uh, we're about to come to the section in the book of Genesis uh, shortly about the fall of man. And you'll see here that Jesus in our text in Luke 22 is in the garden of uh, Gethsemane. Now, I was in Jerusalem recently and we got to actually be in that very place where those trees are. And uh, just amazing to, to look and imagine this scene, this scenario here in the life of our hero and our Savior, a garden. It's fascinating to me that at the Garden of Eden, and what is the Garden of Eden? The Garden of Eden talks about a place where God placed mankind. He spoke and created all of creation, but mankind He made from the dust to the ground. And He breathed the breath of life into man and became a living living being. And, And then, of course... There was no suitable helper for him. So he made another man. No, no, he didn't. He made a woman. All right, you missed that. Ish and Isha. And he put them together, a helpmate, somebody comparable to him. And I'm sure that, Mo, uh, I'm sure that uh, Adam was overjoyed when he saw something other than a hippopotamus or a snake. I'm sure when he saw the woman, he's like, that's different, that one right there. That's different. And he comes under his sleep, and the Garden of Eden is basically perfect. There is reference to, in the beginning there, it says it puts him in the garden to tend and to keep it. There's a reference there that says some warfare because the word to keep or tend and keep, shamar in the Hebrew, is, is a picture of a watchman on a wall. So in other words, what are you watching for if it's totally perfect? There's something else there lurking around. But Adam, in basically a perfect situation, except for the lurking serpent, forfeits everything and falls. He's tempted. Eve is tempted. Adam is tempted because Adam made an idol out of Eve. You see, because if he didn't eat, then his wife was toast and he would remain alone. It's one perspective, a picture of it, but they fall, and sin enters the world, and dying, they certainly died, and they died, the death process physically began, and the death process with their relationship with the Lord, who they walked in the cool of day, that was immediate, and they're, they're, they're evicted from the garden, and, and ecologically, the world begins to, begins to even die the slow death process of creation. And so the sin enters in the world through the Garden of Eden, and that's the first Adam. It's fascinating that the Scriptures call Jesus the last Adam. And so here there's two gardens. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. As sin entered in the world through the first Adam and Eve, through their poor decision, choosing to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so sin began to... So sin left the world for all who believe from that, and that, the second garden, the two trees. My goodness. There's two gardens. And there's two trees. What's the second tree? Well, the first tree is the knowledge of good and evil. The second tree is the tree that he was crucified on. And so the two gardens in all of history surround, revolve around Eden and Gethsemane. Fill your notes in. Eden and Gethsemane. Eden, again, Adam and Eve were in a perfect world, and yet they blew it. See, some people think, and the, the, the importance of that is to say, well, if I just had everything that was good around me, I wouldn't sin. No, you're wrong. If, if I just had money, if I just had some good people, well, you know, money's helpful to have. You need it to pay bills. Good people, well, I suggest you surround yourself with good people. But still, even if it was Eden, you still would have a choice. All right, I'm, I'm going to get there. You're going to be shouting in a minute. Perfect world, yet they sin Gethsemane. Jesus in a totally fallen world. They don't even recognize the Son of God has come. 
and yet he was sinless. He did not sin. Fascinating. What's amazing is that both gardens, the temptation was the same, to disobey. Are you telling me that Jesus was tempted? Totally. At all points. And yet without sin. And that's why he says, Father, let this cup pass from me. In other words, I don't want to obey you right now. I'm tempted to not obey. I don't feel like getting crucified for all these punks. They don't even believe in me. Why would I shed my, you know, I mean, I'm blowing it out. Of course, it's the love of God that held them on the cross. But it, the temptation is the same to disobey. The level of disobedience very different. Adam and Eve had, had no lack. They had abundance. They had everything. They had relationship. They had each other. They had food. They had no lack. They just run around free willy loving God. Yet there was one thing they could not do, and that was to eat from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And, and yet that's exactly what they did. They spoke to the devil. They believed. The, I love how, how the devil is exposed in Genesis and throughout Scripture. We just did a, a message on breaking the yoke Sunday night. You don't want to miss the next one. Because the devil has a language. He, he's, he's a liar and the father of lies. When he's lying, he's speaking his native language. And he knows Scripture way more than anybody here in the room. And he knows how to twist it. And so he'll twist it to get you to, you know, think that what he's saying is right. So that's exactly what the devil does in the Garden of Eden. Twists the word and says that, that you'll be like God. God doesn't want you to eat from the knowledge of tree of the knowledge of good and evil because he knows that when you do, you will be like God. And she's like whoa, that's not right. Yeah, that's not right. Go ahead and have a piece. What's crazy about that? That's the irony of it all. Is it, in the beginning, God made man. Barah. He created man in his image and in his... They were already like God. So the devil comes to tell you, you're not really like God. And he knows that if you eat from that, then you're going to be like God yourself. So he's hiding from me something from you. He's really not very nice at all. And he plays up Eve, and eventually she eats, and eventually Adam eats also. You know, the, 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 the enemy's lie is to try to get you. But if you could listen to what I tell you right now, it will help you and set you free. Bump your neighbor and say, listen up. He tries to deceive us with the same lie. That you don't have what you need. So you better go get it. That you don't have enough. You don't have enough. You don't have the money. You don't have the talent. You don't have the boyfriend. You don't have the girlfriend. You don't have the favor. You don't have this. You don't have that. He goes on and, it, and he ma- you just make the list. The truth is that God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. I can't tell you how many times I've quoted that scripture and felt totally bankrupt like I had nothing. And so I've got nothing. I'm riding a stinking bike in my mid-twenties, wondering what, what happened? I live with my mother. I ride a bike. I don't even have a car. I've got some job that hardly pays me anything. Oh, but I have Jesus. You know, I mean, that's just how I felt. I didn't even have a 10-speed. You know what I'm saying? And the enemy comes to whisper to you, and he'll show you somebody else that's 25 that's just bought their fifth house and is so blessed with the wife or the husband and all the stuff. And he'll lie to you to say, well, you don't have that. You need that. And it's real, God's really not going to give it to you, so you better just go get it. That is the lie that many people face. And Adam and Eve, they had everything, but they talked to the devil. That lie motivates political parties. That lie motivates, motivate, motivates people to go do the wrong thing, to go get, go get what you get it while the getting's good. You know, contentment's a marvelous thing. I've found at times in my life I've had to contend for contentment. The Apostle Paul said, I've learned the secret of being a base, of being humbled with nothing and as well as with much. See, some, some of you have the mistaken idea that if you just had money, everything would be okay. And, some, and those of you that have money know that that's not the truth. 
And it's funny how the enemy, it's not funny, it's really sad. He said, if you just have this, then everything's going to work out. If you just had the house, it'll work out. If I just had more acreage, or I just, if I just got rid of this disease, or I just, listen, you got to learn to be happy, filled with joy, exactly what's going on in your life. Contend for the promises of God, but let him work it out. You are the clay. He is the potter. And last time I was on a potter's wheel as a potter, I can't remember clay ever talking back to me. The Lord's like working you, a vessel. He puts his hand in there, and he's, he's kicking that wheel, and he's, he's working that wall up. He's building a piece of potter, and he's making it beautiful. And he's, got the, he's got all the, the uh, what's it called, that enamel, the glaze, thanks. He's got the glaze and the whole design. He's going to put it, he's going to make it like a one of one. Not one of a hundred, one of one. And, he, and he's going to fire that thing. Come on, some of you are being made into a beautiful vessel, but you're in the fire right now, and you're screaming, and you're saying, God, don't you even love me? He's like, dude, I'm trying to glaze you right now. And, it, you know, he's, 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 some of you are on the wheel. Some of you just like, he just pulled you out of the, you're just a, a big blob right now. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? If you've ever done pottery, the next thing to do, the next thing to do is, is take that and, Land it perfectly in the middle of the potter's wheel. <laughs> yeah, some of you feel like that. And you, then you begin to kick the wheel and you apply a little bit of water, the water of the word. Begin to put his hands on you and you're, you know, that's kind of lumpy. You know, you're like, uh, 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 uh. does anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, he uses illustrations like that in scripture because it's real. Some of you just wonder what's going on. You're out of balance. Maybe you didn't get centered just right. Because you were screaming when he would put you down. He's got to shove you over a little bit. He's got to apply some water. Some of you have dry spots in you. You got dry spots in clay. It doesn't work out. You're making a masterpiece. And so, you know, he's molding you, molding you, molding you. And he's kicking the wheel. And he's, he's molding you. And he, he's making into this vessel. And you're just like, dude, I want to get off the wheel. And so finally you yell so much, he's like... Let me start over. Be thankful for what you have that's good and right and just. He's working things in you according to his plan. He causes you to will and act according to his good purpose. So we say, man, that's why that hurts. I know, I know. I got to tell you this. Potter's field. Does anybody know what that's? A keldamon in Jerusalem. It's where they would throw potter, pottery shards. When you couldn't fix it, you'd throw it over there. And it's also called the field of blood. That's where Judas hung and hung himself just over that. Some say is it that, he, that he burst out, that his intestines burst out and he burst in the field. But Lightfoot believes that he hung on a tree and then when he got, well, you can figure that out later. Did you know what you did? You knew what you did in the time. They didn't have crazy glue. They didn't have no staples to put stuff together. They would take, uh, I have a teapot in my office. Actually, my mom wants it back. But the teapot has been passed down from generation to generation. My family came from England. It's over 200 and something years old. The only thing is when I got it, it was literally in 150 pieces in a box. And I remember opening that box, and I saw it when I was a kid. I grew up with it in my house. I saw it in the box, and I was like, really? How is it that stuff lasts over 200 years, and it gets to this generation, and it gets busted? No, I mean, that kind of thing just bothers the life out of me. And I'm not sure how it got broken. I know it wasn't my fault. Come on. The Lord knows too. Amen. Praise God. Well, I took that out, and Karen, you probably remember, when I sat at the kitchen table, it took me hours and hours and hours with this newfangled thing called crazy glue. And I glued that thing, meticulously put it together, and put it all the way back together. It's beautiful, but it'll never hold a pot of tea again. But you can't tell when you look at a distance. It just looks good. You know what, you do? You know what they did in the day of Jesus? 
first century, you know what they did with something that was beautiful, that was busted, but you just aren't going to throw it out because it was too special? They would take that, and they would take the blood of a lamb, and they would put it in the cracks. They would put that fresh blood and piece it together, and then they would refire it in the kiln. And that blood made a bond between the clay. And those things would be prepared. I'm going to tell you something. Some of you have thrown yourself out. Some of you have thrown out other people. I'm going to tell you the blood of Jesus can heal every crack, every wound, can set you free. The only thing is when he heals us, we can hold something. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We got the power of the Holy Spirit that though we might be busted and disgusted in times, he'll fix us, he'll heal us, he'll renew us. And as we contend and renew our mind, he will fill us full of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead so that when you show up, he can show up through you just boom come on look at your neighbor and tell him he's a crackpot come on tell him man that encouraged me right there that's not in the notes glory to God where are we we should have an altar call for busted and broken we do that every service really let me just tell you, when we call for healing, do you need healing? It doesn't matter what it is. Come to the front. All right. Let's see if we can get back into this message. Thank you. Praise the Lord. So the enemy will try to deceive us uh, through lies of believing that we don't have what we need. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve. And Contentment's a marvelous thing. Learn to be content. Adam and Eve grabbed for what they felt that they needed, but the truth is they didn't need it at all. In Gethsemane, Jesus had to overcome the basic part of his humanity, which is what? Which is called self-preservation. Self-preservation. Something actually the Father put in him, part of the human nature. He was without sin, but he had this strong desire to live because that's God put it in us like that. Self-preservation. That's what... That's what Peter was, self, was preserving himself when he denied the Lord. He denied the Lord three times. You think, how could Peter do that? Dude, he thought he was going to get crucified. I mean, really? You had done it? Maybe worse. I don't even know him. And I think he's thinking, how oh, is this all going to work out? It's all gonna, hey, I can lie a little bit right now. It's no big deal. I don't know. I don't know. What the dude? I, I don't know him. Three times. And then, Oh, and he remembers the words of Jesus. You'll deny me three times, Peter the Rock. Praise God for restoration. How Jesus overcame can give us insight in how to overcome. I need to just whack this thing. You ready? Well, the first thing you need to read, and put this up on the screen if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Man, I feel the Holy Spirit in this place. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Uh, go to verse 13. No, I changed my mind. Verse 11. Now all these things happen to them as examples. And they're written down for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Stop. So he's talking about examples in the Old Testament. And he's saying, man, look at how they did it. And they are examples for you. Because on, upon you has come the ends of the age. The end of the age is when Jesus was crucified and rose again. That begins the end of the age. And we're in it. So we're in it. And he's saying, okay, hey, listen. Look at all the Old Testament. That's, that's the Bible that Jesus used. The Old Testament. Did you read the Old Testament? Yes. Emphatically, yes. And so look at all their examples because they're for you. They're for you, so you don't do what they did. How many of you are thankful for uh, good examples? We had, <laughs> I had somebody in my life many, many years ago, and they messed up so much. You know, not, I'm not talking catastrophic failure, ministry failure, but they did so many things that you just wouldn't want to do. And so I remember, you know, just going, oh, yeah, I'm not, not going to do that right there. I ain't doing that. Okay, and there's another example. I haven't done that, and I'm not going to do that. Amen. I mean, it's just like all kinds of, there's model, good models. Praise God, you want to model them, follow them as they follow Christ. And then there's some models you're like, ooh, don't do that. That doesn't work. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? 
And so that's what he's saying. You know, the end of the ages have come. Look at them there for our admonition. Verse 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed. That's a sobering scripture. You think you got all going on, three bags of chips and a Coca-Cola, or a bag of chips and three Coca-Colas, whatever. You think you got it all going on? Careful. Be careful. Verse 13. Let's read it all together now. All together. You ready? Are you ready? No temptation has overtaken you except such as in... Come on. But pretty intense scripture. I'll tell you why that's intense, because what that says is this. What that says is that, first of all, God's good and he's not tempting you. But the enemy comes to bring temptation. And and that happens to every single Every man, that means mankind, every man, woman, child, all of us will face temptation. It's common. Oh, you don't know the kind of temptation I face. Oh, no, yes, the Lord knows. He faced it all. Even the kind of temptation you faced, he's faced. And yet, tempted at all points, he's without sin. So when we read this scripture, we can conclude basically from that that there are no pity parties. You can't be crying your eyes out, wringing your hands and saying you've got it harder than somebody else because it's flat out not true. And I'll tell you, when I first read that, I just kind of didn't like that. No, because I'd been through some stuff and I'm just thinking my stuff is harder than somebody else's maybe. What do you know? No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. In other words, if you're breathing, then everybody's had temptation. And the level of temptation you have, other people have had, and they got over it, which means you can too. God is faithful. Say it. God is, God is faithful. He'll, he'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. I memorized this scripture because I was going through so much, especially in my early walk with the Lord. And I remember a situation that was beyond my ability in the natural. And I, as it faced me, that scripture came to mind. I'm going to make a way, a way of escape. And so as I'm about to crumble and fail utterly before the Lord and bring great disappointment to all who know me, years and years ago, the scripture, no temptation has seized you. I'm sitting there going, except that which is common to man. I make a way of escape. And I just said, where is it? And all I, I said, that's what I said. I said, where is it? He said, run. Excuse me? What did you mean jog or? No, I knew what he meant. So there I am about to fall. Ah! And he says, run, 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 run. And I took off and I ran. And I kept running. I busted right through the front door, took a right-hand turn, went all the way down to the end of the block, kept running. And I ran, and I ran, and I ran, and I ran until my lungs were out here burning. I was like, "Ah, ah, ah, ah." yes! Yes, I overcame! How many of you know run can be appropriate? what Joseph did. Hussy got his garment and he got busted, but he didn't, he didn't sin. God's saying, I've written the scriptures and I've made it clear that you can do it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you can do it. Come on, look at your other neighbor and say, I, I can do it. Tell him, I can do it. Yes, you can. You can overcome. You don't have to fail. See, the other thing I don't like about this, but it's just true. I mean, I wish it was different, but the truth is we all have a choice. You don't have to fail because God will make a way of escape. I'm serious. I have actually been so crushed and pressed in times of my life where I'm like, God, where is it? Where is it? Where is it, God? Where is it? And sometimes it would just be a dimension of, of transformation as the power of God comes on me right in that place. All of a sudden, all temptation's broken. Everything changes. He wraps his arms around me, and I sit there and weep as it just, the devil's plan utterly fails. Come on, you can overcome temptation. 
So three things I see on how to overcome temptation from this text as I preach this to you. Three things you see here. Jesus prayed. He what? He prayed. Think about that question. What is prayer? What is prayer? Now, somebody say, well, that's talking to God. No, it really isn't. A lot of people talk at God, and they forget the fact that actually God wants to talk to them. Many different ways that he talks to us. He talks to us in his word. He talks to us in circumstances. He uses other people. He can speak through the inner witness. In other words, that still, small voice. He can speak. There's lots of different ways that God can speak to you. Prayer is more than, than communication. Prayer is communion. Say communion. It is not communication. Come on, I've had many times where my wife has been talking to me, and I didn't hear one stinking thing she said. Now, my wife can hear everything, though. No, I mean, really. She can hear through walls. She's got super bionic ears or something. I think maybe all women can hear. They can hear better than men. We'll never admit it, though. Prayer is communion with God. Say it. Prayer is what? Prayer is communion with God. There's an interaction with God where I talk to God and He talks with me. There's an awareness of the more time I spend with God, the more that He makes me like Him. When I came to understand, actually, that all the things that I needed were found in Him, all of my fountains, said the psalmist, all of my founts are in you. Do you know what that means? That means all of your source of strength, all of your satisfaction. Come on, He alone satisfies. Another, another one said, all of, all of my fountains are in you. You're the one who refreshes me. You're the one who heals me. You're the one who saves me. You're the one who helps me. You're the one who provides for me. You're everything. You are my strong tower. You are my sun and shield. You are an ever-present help in time of trouble. You are God and God alone. There's no devil. There's no assignment of the enemy. There's no weapon that's formed against you that shall prosper. This is what the Word of God says. This is what it says. The problem is many people don't believe it. When I came to understand that He really did love me more than anybody else, and He really did die for me, and I really was a new creation beyond what I felt, beyond what my emotions were saying, beyond what the circumstances were saying, something happened in my walk with Jesus. Something happened when He became the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Daniel Bracken. say hallelujah. The closer I get to him, I find even though my heart sometimes is stubborn, the more I become like him. He changes you from the inside out. He renews your mind. He gives you strength. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength like the eagles. Yea, even the youth shall, shall stumble and fall. But they that wait on the Lord to, to wait, to wait on the Lord the, the word is yakah, I think, in the Hebrew. It means to be braided together. That's not like. Hello! That's, that's not that. Waiting on the Lord is to be just abiding, all twisted up in heaven. Remaining in Him. Knowing that you don't want, you don't want your time again, but you want His. It's resting in Him. Leaning on him. And then it is said, who is this that comes out of the wilderness leaning on her beloved? The wilderness is no big deal when the maker of heaven and earth is walking with you through it. In fact, the wilderness will teach you things that nothing else can. Communion. Everybody say communion. I'm convinced that if Adam and Eve were on point two and talked to God about the stupid serpent, they wouldn't have fallen. Stupid is not in there. I believe they talked to God about the serpent that they wouldn't have had a problem. But they didn't do that. They didn't do that. They could have said, um, you know something? The Lord comes by in the afternoon. I'm going to walk with him, you know, and I, I'm going to talk to you later. And then as they're walking with God, Lord, we were, there's this creepy looking thing. And, uh, and he says that you're a liar. And he says that if we eat from the tree, that we're going to be like it. Did you hold anything back? No, we didn't. No, that. Jester! Did you do this wicked thing? 
I did. <laughs> then I declare before all generations, your title will be stripped. That's from a play. <laughs> Obliterated. I just wanted to say that one part right there. <laughs> and not by my own fierce vengeance, but of a child, of the generations of this child. My king, my king. Okay, no, anyway. Some of you are like, what just happened? If they had just prayed, if they had just prayed that it could have been sorted out. I believe that. I don't know what the Lord would have done exactly, but they didn't pray. They didn't talk to God. They talked to the devil. Some of you talk to the devil every day. Yeah, some of you have more communion with the devil than you do with God. Yeah, you, you're at the altar of the devil in front of that mirror agreeing with how ugly you are, how much you should have a bigger nose, and how much more makeup you should put on to hide that particular blemish or, or do that particular thing. Or maybe you stick your finger down your throat because you think that you should be thinner or something. And, you, and you, you try to conform to the image of the Barbie that's been created by probably Satan himself anyway. And so you're not happy with the way that you are. You're not happy with the way that you look. So you agree at the altar of the devil every day in front of that mirror saying, Oh. Well, look, if you need to lose weight, then control yourself and, and learn to eat right. I'm being convicted. Am I the only one getting convicted? Jesus, help me. But don't come in agreement with self-hatred in front of a mirror about how, how you hate yourself and the way that you look because of whether people talked about you or a culture that's all tied up in all that. All right. So he prayed. He what? He prayed. The second thing you'll see is he, he yielded his will to the will of God, verse 42. That's profound, very fascinating phrase, really. Put verse 42 of Luke chapter 22 up. I'll just go for a few more minutes and we'll be done. All depends on your definition of a few, though. <laughs> because in heaven, Pastor Alex, a second is like a thousand years, or a day, a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day, so a second, or a few, a few minutes, you do the math on that, amen, praise God, I hope you brought something to eat for later on, I'm just, <laughs> this is fascinating, look at this, here, look, look on the screen, Father, if it is your will, whoa, if it is your will, take this cup away from me, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus overcame, te overcame temptation by one, a communion with God. A communion, I mean, he is God. A communion with the Father. Jesus is God. Another message. But he had communion. He prayed. You need to have that. You're going to overcome. You need to learn to pray. The second thing is, you need to understand that you need to yield. Everybody say yield. Come on, if you're driving your vehicle and you're coming from that on-ramp from Palmer onto the highway headed towards Anchorage, buddy, you better look to see if there's a Mack truck coming from, coming from Fairbanks. You better look if you see one of those double, double Macs, you know, just coming along, right? Because uh, you should pump your brakes a little bit and let them go by if the timing's not right for you to pull up ahead. You ought to let them go. Why? Because you'll die. That's called yielding. Everybody say yield. Many of you don't know how to yield to God. Listen, you have a will, God has a will, and Satan has a will. I don't know, there's probably 200 and something people here tonight. 250 people, let's say, in the sanctuary tonight. There's 250 different wills in here tonight. And we say, well, your will be done. Yes, your will be done. But understand that there's other people that have a will. God has a will, and Satan has a will. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you hope and a future. But you know what? The same could be true of the devil. I know the plans I have for you, you wretched things, to wreck your life and tell, take you to hell. Yeah, he has reverse scriptures for you. So he yielded his will. The problem with our will is we have one. <laughs> we need to learn to yield it. We're not robots. We have a choice. We have a will. I witness a lot, and... Um, I'm regularly sharing my faith with people. And I've heard this over and over. If God's all-powerful and he's all-good, why is there evil in the world? That is the most nonsensical, illogical statement. 
You see, God could do away with all evil right now. He just has to kill every one of us. Some of you are like, what? Yeah. If he wipes out the human race, then there's no more evil in the world to act through. So you see, Satan looks for people to use his pull toys to manifest his will through. And the crazy thing is, even when we think we're doing good, evil is still right there at work trying to cause us to go the wrong direction. Oh, who will deliver us from this body of death, as the Apostle Paul says. Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, you missed a great place to say amen. We're, we're not robots. We're not. The tree of the, in the garden is called the, the glory of man. And God gave human beings choice. Love is, in a, love is a choice. If you didn't have a will and you couldn't choose, then there wouldn't be real love. And by the fact that there's a judgment, all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every single person here. Everyone. Saved, unsaved, nations even stand before the judgment. Now, listen to me. If, if you couldn't do it and you couldn't live for God, then you would never be judged for it. You'd never give account for your, because then he would know that it's impossible or you couldn't do it. But you can overcome temptation. You can stand in the face of opposition and yield your will to God's will. And you can be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and walk in freedom and power. You don't have to look at pornography anymore. You can be set free. You can be delivered from a heart of adultery. So maybe you don't look at pornography, but your heart leaps all the time at the opposite sex and fantasizes for a moment, you know. You can stop that. In order to love, you've got to have a choice. Love's not in a vacuum. I've said it many times before. Adam and Eve broke relationship with God, with each other. They felt guilt. They felt shame. That None of that existed before. Look at, look at two. Our will has been affected by evil, so even in doing our own will, we can bend to Satan's will. Wow. Crazy. But the passage gives us hope as I bring it to conclusion. Would you come, Minister Micah? The passage gives us hope. It really does. It gives me hope that if Jesus did it, then, we, then I can do it because he lives on the inside of me. And the scripture in 1 Corinthians says, 10 says, no temptation has seized you. That means no matter what you ever face, there's always a way of escape all of your life. So if you've been caving in, you better just buck up, young man, miss, ma'am, brothers and sisters. If you've been caving, it's not God's fault, and it's not that the devil's so big. It's that you choose to cave. prayed and you look at the the next thing is verse 43 angels came and helped him do you know that when you pray that God will send you help I have had many many angelic encounters I'm sure much more than I'm aware of and I am aware of quite a few and we don't worship angels we don't bow down to them they are ministers of flames of fire ministering to the heirs of salvation that's us and if you'll just learn to pray, you will receive supernatural strength. I'm sure that I had an angel help me run that day. That I ran down the block well, well over a mile and a half away from the scene. Free. I didn't sin. I've got, I've got scenario after scenario after scenario. Stories where God supernaturally sent angelic help. I've had guns that didn't go off when pointed at my head. I've had knives that were thrust towards me that should have worked and somehow they missed. I've had situations where I was surely, a number of scenarios where I was surely going to die just because of as a young, foolish, addicted, bound, broken young man. And God intervened in my life. Somebody said, why are you so on fire? I don't know if I'm all that on fire. I'll just tell you that I have been forgiven of so much that I'm, I am absolutely head over the heels, head over heels crazy about Jesus. And I got a scripture for it too. Those who've been forgiven much, love much. And, and, and Jesus prayed and an angel came and attended to him. Do you know that there are those who've been persecuted? Uh, back, at, back in the 20s, there was a group of people that were persecuted in Russia. They're sent out to Siberia to basically die. Group of pastors... And uh, as, in fact, I've got the year wrong, but the story's true. Uh, they were being persecuted. And, and they went out and they prayed. They're dying. They're freezing to death. And angels came and attended to them and fed them hot manna every day. And, and they, 
they had some frostbite and stuff, but they were miraculously recovered and saved. And when they came, they came stateside. They say flat out, well, we, you know, we prayed and the angels came and they fed us. See, you don't understand that when you pray and you call on God that he might very well send. You don't have to see him. I'm just telling you. say, are there angels here? Totally. How do you know? Well, I know from the word. Sometimes there's people who are all hypo spiritual. I saw the angel. You don't have to see it. It's cool. You know, when you see it, I don't like seeing demons so much. An angel's kind of cool. But they're they're here. Ministering healing, protection, blessing. All right, we're confronted by this passage as we conclude. We'll all face temptation. Just as the disciples were called to pray, so were we. That, that phrase that Jesus said, you know, could you not pray with me one hour? It's both in Mark as well as in Matthew. Could you not pray with me one hour? It is like an affront to the church. It's a statement because they couldn't pray. They couldn't pray one hour. And I, I, it's like, it's this clarion call that goes over the earth. If the church could pray one hour, and we would see things change. If you would give one hour of your, I really think you should give 2.4. I think you should tithe on time. 24 hours in the day, you should give 2.4. I'll be all legalistic about it, but I think you should have two hours where you're seeking God. Reading the Word, praying maybe. Come on, you what an average male watches six hours of TV every day. Six hours. Or Netflix. Jesus exhorts them three times to pray. And the problem is that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Really, moving rapidly now. We must all see life. We must all see, see all of life is fulfilling God's will. Listen, your life is about fulfilling God's will. That's why we're here. You got to do his will. You got to pray, receive supernatural authority. And the last thing is, because Jesus triumphed, so can I. So can you. So can we. We can overcome temptation. Can you say amen? Stand up on your feet while the cross is placed. Come on, just lift your hands. Some of you have been tormented. Some of you are facing some real difficult temptation. Or maybe you know somebody that is. Lord, right now. Lord, right now. We pray. We ask, Lord, for your intervention and your strengthening for those who are under the pressure. And even the thumb of the enemy trying to get them out from your will. Get them out from the, the plan of God. We bind, break, muzzle every assignment of the enemy. Every chain we break right now in Jesus' name. Lord, those thoughts that the enemy is trying to place in people's minds. I command even a spirit of adultery to be broken over different ones. I pray, God, for all of our single people, Lord, that they walk in purity and wholeness. Holy Spirit, come. Break off any addiction that people might be struggling with. Drug addiction. Pharmacia sorcery. In Jesus' name, we command your power to be broken devil in the name of Jesus your power is broken by the blood of the lamb we will overcome we will overcome temptation by the blood of the lamb by the word of our testimony and loving our lives not so much as to shrink from death hold on put this scripture up Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 I'm closing this is a matrix for your deliverance right here right here on the screen Revelation 12 and 11 It's at the end of the Bible, the last book. And they, that's, that's us. They overcame him. Talking about who? Talking about Satan. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. How are you going to overcome? By the blood. You can't do it on your own, but by the blood you can do everything. By his power you can do all things. They overcame him by the blood. And the word of their testimony, everybody say the word. 
That means it's not like you just have one and you're quiet. That means you say, I was lost, but now I'm found. He set me free before, and he's going to set me free right now. That's testifying about what he's done for you. If he did it before, he can do it again. If he did it back then, he can do it right now. You overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the, the, the what? Word of your testimony. And I believe that's spoken, but it can also be written. But you got to let it out. You can't just zip your lip and hope it's going to work. There's power in your testimony. I used to be, Jesus came and set me free. And don't forget this last part. And they did not love their lives as to death. Listen, Jesus didn't love and preserve his life so much that he disobeyed. Some of you are afraid. I'm going to tell you, if you don't learn to just charge hell with a water pistol, let me say it another way. If you don't learn to just do his will and let the chips fall, then you will live in fear and never do anything for God. If you don't learn, listen, if your life is so precious and you're so, you can be so, um, you can have an idol of comfort that's so big that you'll never be able to break addiction. You'll never be able to break relationship addiction, sex addiction, pornography. You'll never be able to break greed off of you, the workaholism. You comfort our whole society medicates themselves with all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's never been any different than any other age except there's more of it now. You're going to need to learn to suffer. Suffer. Those who suffer against sin and are done with it, that those that begin to... Listen, you have to have a flip on this thing. There's a pleasure that comes from loving God that can't ever be received any other way. There is a pleasure and a joy and a satisfaction and a fulfillment that comes from loving Him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength that nothing in all of creation can give because it was never meant to satisfy you. You can overcome temptation. God before you. Who can be against you? And they overcame Satan. Read it with me. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives unto the death. Holy Spirit, let your blessing come upon these. If you're not right with God, get right with Him right now. Lord, forgive us for where we've fallen short. Come into our hearts to be our Lord and Savior once again afresh right now tonight. Help us to live for you. And thank you that you always make a way of escape and that we've been adopted, we've been grafted in. We are your children. We love you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Take someone by the hand. I'm done. Come on, let's pray. Father, thank you. Bless your people now. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Keep us from evil. Deliver us from temptation. Oh, let's pray the whole thing. Our Father, which art in heaven, all together, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. We'll hope to see you. Get plugged in. Register for the prophetic conference. Sign up for those small groups. Come on, get discipled. We love you. Praise God. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.